0: This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. Hey, it's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I have Crystal McVeigh on the line. She's the author of the book, Waking Up in Heaven, and she has a new book that just came out on March 22nd called Chasing Heaven. How are you doing today, Crystal?
1: Hi, Billy. I'm wonderful.
0: So it's been a while. We last spoke, we were just talking offline here. I think it was 2013 after waking up in heaven and your story uh, was is really a fascinating story. You are one of the many people, and I think it surprises people sometimes uh, because not everybody talks openly about it, but one of the many people who um, have experienced heaven, who have talked about experiencing heaven during a near-death experience. And I wanted to ask you, Let's just go back to, I think it's December of 2009, correct, when you were hospitalized for pancreatitis? Yes, sir. So we go back to December of 2009. Take me through that. What led to the hospitalization? Did you have any inkling, I mean, you were obviously sick, but that it was going to potentially be a life-threatening situation?
1: Right. No, actually, I checked in for an outpatient procedure. We were supposed to be home by noon that day. The procedure went a little bit wrong. They nicked my pancreas, and I woke up with pancreatitis. And so they placed me in the hospital on pain medication. Um, two days later, I'm still in the hospital. on an excruciating pain. My mom had decided to take off the day to come and sit with me. My husband was taking care of our four children. And life was going to just resume as normal, or so I thought. And at one o'clock that afternoon, I died.
0: So, when you say you died, I mean, leading up to that, you're obviously in pain, and you know that. What were you feeling in the lead up, in the in the hours and minutes um, leading up to that point where where your heart stopped?
1: Right. Um, I can remember every single detail of that day. I was. I think pancreatitis has to be the most excruciating pain that I have ever been through, and I had children, you know, earlier that year. In fact, my twins were only 10 months old. Oh, wow. Um, I can remember just not being able to get any relief from the pain. I remember being so thankful that my mom chose to come up and sit with me. And then I remember starting to doze off after I got um, uh, some of the pain medication. and But not in a, like, foggy, groggy kind of way. I I knew that something was happening But immediately, I was just engulfed with this peace and this calm, and I remember looking at my mom, who wasn't even looking at me, and right before I closed my eyes, I said, I love you. And I remember closing my eyes, and instantly, I was uh, standing in the most beautiful tunnel of light with two angels and the presence of God, and life forever changed.
0: Now, because I think, you know, these stories are so fascinating, and I love the details of things, what people can remember. Um, You know, when you, so when you kind of dozed off, did you, you, you knew something was happening. Did you think it was death in that moment? I mean, or were you just unsure? Was it sort of like, I've never felt anything like this in those brief moments?
1: There was a part of me that I, that I really do believe knew what was happening, But it happened in such a split second. And what really caught me by surprise was that I've always been afraid of dying. My whole life I was always afraid of death, of dying, how it was going to happen. Was I going to hurt? Was was I going to suffer? But in that moment, like I said, a split second, so much peace and tranquility just washed over me and there was no fear. And then like I said, I mean, in a blink of an eye, I was gone. Now my mom will tell you that she turned to tell me that she loved me too and noticed that I was starting to shake. She, um, came over to my, to my face and she noticed that I wasn't breathing and then she called for help. And then, so she watched, you know, nine to 10 minutes of them doing CPR and trying to revise me. So her experience and my experience were extremely different.
0: Yeah, hers is a very traumatic experience watching that. Yes, yeah, so
1: where mine was just I mean, wonderful. And I remember instantly opening my eyes and knowing exactly where I was. Now, back on earth I called the place I was heaven. And I've had a lot of people refute that. Um, I actually could see the entrance to heaven. I could see I didn't see big giant pearly gates, but I could say the gates because I knew that once I passed through that entrance that I would be there. And in fact, God actually said to me, uh, once we get there, you can't come back. The instant that I opened my eyes in this realm, all knowledge was given to me. I knew who I was. I knew where I was. Um, and I remember instantly having my two angels right in front of me and to the left. I knew that they were mine. I knew that they had always been with me. And I was so excited to see them. And communication began instantly, but not like communication that we have here. It was as if Billy, as I could trans, um, transmit all of my emotions and thoughts to you in a single second, and you could do the same for me. I mean, all communication was with thoughts and emotions. There was no time. I remember not feeling rushed um, to stand in a world that exists with no... Seconds, minutes, hours, no time. You know, so my, my nine minutes could have actually been more like years.
0: What, <clears throat> in this experience, what did God, and this like, it's almost a strange question, but what did the angels and God look like? How would you, is it describable? Sure.
1: Well, so what I remember about the angels is I remember that they took on vaguely human-like shapes but, you know, when you look at a light bulb and you can see the silhouette, but the glow is just coming off of it, that's what they looked like to me. But I could look directly at them, and, you know, obviously my eyes didn't hurt. Um, that's what I remember. And when I say that I saw Jesus, when I say that I saw God, you know, people would say, what did he look like? And I said, well, he was the most beautiful profusion of love and brightness and beauty that I've ever seen. But I didn't actually see him in his, you know, human form or a human form. But it was a light, Billy, that I could communicate with. You know, we have five senses here, but there it was if we had a hundred. You know, I could tangibly feel the love radiating from him. So much so that I went straight to my face and began to worship him. And I had never gone to a church that worships like that with your hands in the air and just with everything you have. I mean, it was just, it was unreal.
0: Um, Now, how has, well, I guess before we go there, because I want to talk to you about how this has changed your faith, um, and and you talked a little bit about the fear of of dying, but, you know, I I guess before we get there, what else did you encounter? So you're up there, you see the angels, you see this brilliant light that you know is God. Um, Mm -hmm. What else did you see? What else did you encounter Um, Take me through the conversations and the steps of what happened.
1: Well, at one point, as I was laying on my face just worshiping God, I remember telling him, I can worship you for all of eternity. And at another point, I remember him showing me my four children. Now at the time, my twins were 10 months old. My oldest, I think, was 13. My second was 11. And he reminded me of the time that I sat in church, and the pastor said, we're to love God above all else. And I remember in my mind saying, I would never love you more than my children. And in that moment, when he showed me my children, he let me know that I could go back, that I could come back, that I could be their mother. If I chose to go with him, that they were going to be okay. Um, i say that he showed me that the plan for their life was perfect, just like all of ours are, but see, that's hard for us as humans to understand because his perfection did not mean that they wouldn't have trials or tribulations or heartache. But what he showed me was that he never left. He would never leave them, not for one second. Um, Something else that comforted me was that he showed me that I would never miss anything in their lives, that I would always be present uh, with them, even if I chose to go on to heaven. And it was just this beauty of, of knowing that I was going to see them again and that they were going to be okay, and I actually chose to continue towards the gates with him.
0: Um, so what happens then as you as you make that decision? What's sort of the next step in that conversation? Okay.
1: So we continued to walk towards the gates. I say the gates, but what I saw at the end of the tunnel was just a beautifully blinding, brilliant white light that was just beckoning uh, me to it. I knew that once we got there, he had told me once we got there that I could not come back to my life, and I was okay with that. And as we walked the entire time, my angels were with me to my left, and God's presence was all around, communicating the entire time. And we got to the very entrance, almost to the very entrance, and I saw a little girl in front of me. And she was different than anything else that I had seen in the realm. She was fully human. And one of the things that I had never talked about with anybody other than my husband until the day I died was that as a teenager, I had chosen to end the pregnancy. And it was a decision that I was literally going to take with me uh, to my death. And as I approached this child, I remember being almost crippled with how much love I felt for her, that I could just look at her and I knew that she was mine. I knew that she belonged to me. Um, I knew that she was brilliant and beautiful and perfectly made. And I remember calling out uh, to God, I'm going to explode. Like, I just could not contain all of the love that I felt for this child. And I remember saying that, and instantly, it was almost as if I was wearing some kind of glasses, you know, and he took them off of me. And I looked at her, and I realized that she was me. And she was me. Uh, when I was a small child, when the sexual abuse in my life began, when, when the questions began about why didn't God love me, and where was He, and all of the lies that I had believed my whole life that I wasn't worthy of being loved by Him. You know, and that's really where my fear of death came, is because I truly was worried that when I did leave this earth that there wouldn't be a God to welcome me, Um And what he showed me was that he allowed me to see myself through his eyes so that I would never again question how much he loved me and how much he always has loved me. And, you know, so many people have said, um, I I just wish that that he would have introduced you to your baby. But what God had planned was that it was more important for him to introduce me to his baby, that I needed to know that I belonged to him. And that realization in that moment, I truly believe, was why he brought me there in the first place, because it changed the course of my life.
0: Now, obviously, you made the decision to stay. And a lot of people have said that that is what they sometimes wanted to do and wish to do, but that it ended up being that that was not what was meant for them. So how did you end up back?
1: I remember after seeing this little girl, I remember um, just being completely made whole in him and ready to continue on into eternity, and I heard my mom call my name, and I remember stopping because I knew, even though I don't remember seeing the hospital room, I knew what was happening. I knew that I had died. I knew that they were trying to bring me back, and I was continuing towards the light. But in that moment, when I heard my mom scream my name, I stopped and I remember feeling compassion for her. And I looked at the light of God and I said, She doesn't know. She doesn't know that I'm okay. And I said, Can I just tell her I'm okay? And he said, The choice is up to you. And when I turned around to go find where her voice was coming from, I don't know what I thought I was really going to do. I didn't want to come back to my life, but I did want my mom to know I'm okay. And so when I turned around to find her voice, he said, tell them what you can remember. And I remember calling back over my shoulder. I'll remember everything, and I'll be right back. And I looked down and in the tunnel that I was standing in, and it was as if I was standing on the most gorgeous, golden, flowing river of, of diamonds. I mean, it's just the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And the instance that I saw... the the floor of heaven, I was back in my body. And of course, I don't remember everything. Um, I said that he gave me all knowledge. I wasn't permitted to come back with all of that. I don't remember everything he said to me in those nine minutes. But I do remember that he told me to tell. And so that's what I've tried to do.
0: Um, and, you know, and I remember you I remember you saying in our last interview, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you had closed your eyes for a few minutes and almost wa- tried to go back, you know, wanting to go back yes. once you, you had woken up. Um, oh,
1: yes. I, I opened my eyes in the hospital room. They were performing CPR. And immediately when they noticed that my eyes were open, I remember one nurse got, my, you know, got right in my face and she said, do you know what your name is? Do you know where you are? And, of course, I knew. I knew exactly what had just happened, but I couldn't talk. And I remember being so upset at the fact that I couldn't talk. Well, I had just come from a place where I didn't need human words. And in an instant, I was back into a human body, and I could not remember um, how to form words. And so it took me a moment uh, of them saying, you know, I could hear everything that they were saying and all of the things that they were talking about and it must have been a minute or two, and I said, I'm in the most beautiful light. I'm with God. And then I closed my eyes, and I could feel my spirit starting to leave again, and they would start CPR again and pull me back. And that probably went on two or three times, and I would beg them. I'd put my hand up, and I'd say, stop, stop. Um, And they don't. They don't stop CPR when you ask them to, just so everybody knows. (laughs) So they worked, and they brought me back. And probably the third time, that uh that they that they brought me back, I remember feeling like I was never going to to go back to heaven, and that was the moment I got very sad. Um, it was very hard to deal with, but you know, it probably took a week or two um, of being sad to be back, and then I mean you're a parent, you know, I looked at my children, and that's all that I had to do to to remember why this life is so precious. I just had to watch them, yeah. And I know that one day I'm going to close my eyes on this earth. I might be 110 years old. And when I wake up in that light again, it will be as if I had just left.
0: Are you afraid at all anymore of death? That was something you said.
1: No, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid at all. And and I tell my family constantly, you know, if I go today, know that I'm okay and I'm happy. Um, Now, me not being afraid to die does not mean that I'm not affected by death. You know, I lost my best friend. Uh, a year and a half ago, uh, I still grieve. You know, I've told I've my friends that they buried, one just buried her child. You know, we still grieve, and there are things that I just can't explain, and emotions that we feel as humans that just don't feel fair. And I can tell you that there is a heaven and a God that loves us, but sometimes all I can do is just stand beside you and hold your hand. And that's really what Chasing Heaven, that's, that's where this book came about. You know, I felt like God dropped me back off on Earth. Said, "See you soon. I'm here. Love you." But then I was constantly chasing him. Um, there's a story in the book I talked about after the first couple of weeks of being home. The you eyes know, completely changed, completely changed, and almost like a little, little crazy. I remember my husband came home one day, and I had all of our clothes and shoes and material possessions boxed up. I think I left us one outfit each in the closet <laughs> because I was going to go give it all away, you know, to the homeless. And, and I said, we've we got to go to Africa. You know, what, what are we going to do? And my husband gently hung his shirts back up, and he said, babe, you know, we can, we can do things for God right here. So it was a balance, you know, of, of finding who I was now because I was completely different, yet my life, I came back to the same life.
0: Was it, how long did it take for you to tell your husband and your family, and was there skepticism on any family members, people who weren't quite sure? You know, take me through that.
1: Um, Immediately. I mean, the moment that I could speak in that hospital room, I began to tell them um, that I was with God, that I was in heaven. Um, I was in critical care for about six or seven days, and they said that I would wake up and just continue to talk to them about what I'd seen. My husband had known my faith journey, the, the, really my lack of faith. The, when I went to church my whole life, I was baptized in four, four different denominations. I mean, I loved Jesus. I wanted him. I just really didn't know that he wanted me. My husband really knew that about me. Um, my husband will tell you that what truly proved to him that I was telling the truth. Uh, I was very selfish, really before this. Um, very selfish, especially with finances. And my husband had a person that owed him a substantial amount of money, substantial. And we were in the middle of a lawsuit. And when I got back from heaven, I remember sitting down with my husband and I said, we're going to let that go. We're going to pay her debt. And my husband at that moment said, that was the moment I knew that you were telling the truth because that just was not who I was. Um we began to go out on the streets and ministry and just the beautiful places that God began to take us. Those were not places that I would have cared to go before I met him.
0: You know, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you, and this is uh, my last question, I think, for you. Uh, I have a million other questions, but uh, this will be the last one. That's okay. One. You
1: call me anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, well,
0: you're coming back on. We're going to make sure you come back on the show. But um I think, you know, what is your message? Because there's been a lot since you and I talked. There was the the malarkey family with their story, which, you know, they ended up saying wasn't true. And whenever that happens, it sort of hurts everybody else, right? Because you have the media coming out and saying, oh, well, these stories can't possibly be true. And. But, I mean, there's tons of research out there that that Mm -hmm. shows, like I was saying earlier, that so many people have had these experiences, a lot of them not wanting to come forward and talk about it or not being comfortable. Mm -hmm. What do you say to your critics who say, Crystal is crazy, she's either making this up or her brain was playing tricks on her?
1: Right. So the only thing that I can say, Billy, is I can't make you believe what I'm saying any more than somebody could make me believe that it didn't happen. As far as other people's stories, you know, I didn't experience their experience. Um, I've actually met the Burpos and I've met Don Piper, and I think that what really stands out is the life that people lead afterwards. You know, and, and it's just like any of us who find God or accept Christ, you know, our life should look different. And when we go into the Bible, we've had um, several pastors, even, that have told their congregation that stories like mine Or like the Burpo's are not biblical. And here's what I would say to that. And I try not to be defensive, but it is hard when you know that you're telling the truth. Um, But here's what I say. You know, in God's Word, in the Bible, it says that when we are absent from our body, we are present with the Lord. Had that medical team not been able to revive me and bring me back, everyone would have said, well, we know where she is. She's in a good place. She's with God. Why is it so hard to believe that while my body was not functioning, that I was with him. I also think that there's something to be said about the different people that are stepping forward with stories. You have a neurosurgeon, a doctor, you have a pastor, you have two children now. I mean, the number one movie right now is Miracles in Heaven, about a little girl who fell through a tree and and was healed.
0: Yeah, we actually have the family and on you, the show this week as well.
1: <laughs> yes, and you have... And you have a school teacher from the middle of Oklahoma. Now, there's not some underground connection that we all have, where where people get together and go, "Okay, this is what we're going to say we experienced." You you have these experiences, and they're all different, yet they are so very similar. And I think that we just really need to sit up and pay attention uh, to the messages that that people are trying to convey, because. What if just one out of the ten really was the truth?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I think I think there's a, so many of these stories that, and and I've interviewed the Burpo's and I've interviewed Don Piper and I think you know, <clears throat> in fact, I've had people tell me, and there was a critic of of a lot of these stories who told me that he actually sure. thought that Don Piper's story was the most compelling that he had seen, and that you know the most biblically had seen. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing to me, and, and I think clearly. I mean, what what? Why would you go out and lie about this story? I mean, to me, that doesn't that doesn't make right. sense at all. I know people would say, "Oh, well, there's book deals and there's movie deals and there's well, yeah."
1: So the, well, and here's here's where I laugh because you know, the day I went in for that procedure, um, we would have had to be masterminds to say, "Okay, so this doctor's going to get it wrong. There's going to be a small mistake." You're going to set up your pain pump wrong. Your body's going to reject the pain medication. You're going to quit breathing. You're going to flatline for nine minutes, and it's going to make a great story. You know, (laughs) and the other thing, too, Billy, is that when God told me to share my story, it actually took me over a year before I would share with people not close to me, not my family and friends, because I had never talked about my childhood abuse, and I had never talked about the decision that I made as a teenager. And those were two things that, even though I knew God had forgiven me, I wasn't quite ready um, to share that with the world. It's very scary to step out into the world with a story like this. But, you know, I wrote in a chapter um, in Chasing Heaven, it's called Do It Fat, Do It Scared. You know, he didn't say, Crystal, I'm only going to use you when you lose this 50 pounds, and you're not afraid anymore. In fact, I went on Fox and Friends yesterday live still 50 pounds overweight and very scared, because he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And that's all we have to remember, friend, is we just do what he asks us to do, and he's the one that we ultimately will answer to.
0: Well, listen, Crystal, you have to promise you'll come back on, and we will make sure oh, we, I love you. we link out to the book, and we appreciate you taking the time today to come on.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate you guys, and you have a wonderful evening.